What's happening, people? Yep, it's another episode of the Giants, guys. It's the podcast you love to hate. Um, we are um, bringing in, of course, Doug Rush is in the building. And by the way, how cool is it that his name is Rush and we're NY Giants Rush? It's almost like meant to be. Smart like, Mike's like, in the building. What up, guys? It's like peanut butter and jelly. It is. It is like, you know what? Right. That's why I like Doug. He knows I love peanut butter and jelly. He knows it, right? Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Giants, guys. We're live on Twitter. We're live on YouTube. You know, we're back. Last week, we were in the lab with Kawika Mitchell. It was a lot of fun. So, hope you guys can get on the YouTube channel. And by the way, do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It helps us out a ton. You have no idea how much that little button that you click, how much it helps us out. Um, so let me turn the comments on as people start to jump in the room. Guys, um, I'm super excited to talk about a ton of stuff. So I'm going to whip out some comments to you or some topics to you guys. I mean, we got a new GM. We got a new head coach. I'm sure you guys have seen the press conferences and all that stuff. Um, Doug, I'm going to start with you on this specific topic is so Dable is an offensive-minded coach, right? Um, what type of adjustments is he going to have to make going from head, co- you know, from offensive coordinator to head coach? It's the adjustments that I think Pat Shermer struggled with, and really, it's giving up the play-calling duties. And I mean, Joe Sheen kind of referred to that in the press conference. He would he would prefer that. Um, Brian Dable just focuses on coaching the team. Now, I think in, we all saw where he had all the teams stand up and be like, hey, if you've ever got cut, sit down. If you weren't a first-round pick, sit down. In which Josh Allen was the last one standing. And he said, oh, how many first um, – what was it like? Uh, something well, how many offers, offers did you get? How many offers did you have? And he said, none. It's like, all right, let's all remember where we came from. And I honestly feel like – biggest difference between being a position coach and a coordinator to a head coach you have to not only run 53 men but you also have to run a staff you have to run you're basically running an entire organization that you're not the you're not the owner but you're running everybody that's the biggest jump you have to go from being offensive coordinator and granted he was a great one but now Mm -hmm. you're running an entire team and that's running your coaches running practice speaking to the media, figuring out game plans, figuring out game plans for your coaches, trying to figure out like coaching new coaches. It's, it's more than just X's and O's running, running um, a game plan for a team. It's a whole um, evolution of running an organization and it's not for everybody. And I mean, granted there's only 32 and sometimes guys are not cut out to run organizations and run a franchise that when you're not the CEO. And I mean, They've t- I mean, you know, it was talked about, oh, well, you know, a coach needs to be a CEO. And granted, that coach is no longer here. But still, you, you're running the show of a team. And that's the biggest thing that Brian Dable has to show, that he can not only just run an offense, but he can run a 53-man team and a practice squad and his staff and everything else that goes into running the New York Giants. And Tom Coughlin did it great- well. Jim Fossil did okay with it. Dan Reeves was okay until, you know, got signed with Dave Brown and Bill Parcells was great at it. You have to be able to run a franchise, and this is not an easy one to run. I mean, you're in the New York media limelight. You are in the, the New York 
center. And I mean, this is the New York Giants. This is one of the premier franchises. This is not right. for everybody. So this is what that this is what Brian Dable is being saddled with that Joe Judge did not do well in year two. And Pat Shermer did not do well in two years. And Bad McAdoo did horribly before Tom Coughlin. Tom, I mean, we got the luxury of Tom Coughlin for 11 years, who eventually probably will be going to the Hall of Fame. This, I mean, we're, we're essentially, we have picked another first-year head coach. Will he do well? Remains to be seen. So far, I think he's done okay. I mean, in, in talking with people, I think he's been properly uh, trained and prepared for this. But that still remains to be seen. If you are when you are that guy and you get into the summer and you get into training camp and you get into the the grind of the regular season, can you do it? Remains to be seen. Yeah, you know, we just like walking Mitchell on the podcast this past week, and he kind of talked about exactly what you're saying that certain coaches are really good at certain things, but when they become head coaches, it doesn't translate. And I think you look back, right? You have McAdoo, great X's and O's guy on offense, could manage a team. Uh, Shermer, I'd actually argue he was a pretty good offensive coordinator as well, but he didn't make the good jump because he was a horrible game planner when it came to like the whole process of it. And then Judge, now you got a guy that talks the talk, has respectability in the locker room, but zero X's and O's whatsoever. Do you think Dabble has like what or Dable has what the Giants have been missing and really he encompasses all the things that uh the Giants need as a head coach? Because I mean, I, I do feel like he's showed it in the past more so than the other guys did before they walked in the job. I mean, you're talking about a guy who got to – granted, he got to cut his teeth under Bill Belichick, and there's the whole notion of, oh, well, the Belichick uh, guys don't do well. But I also feel like it, it served him well that he also served a year under Nick Saban, got to coach guys at a younger level and on the level before they go to the pros and coach two current NFL quarterbacks. What they do in the pros is, is on a different level, but he still got them and coached them before they got there. And the fact that he has six championship rings to his name and and learning from Bill Belichick and also learning from Sean McDermott too. And Sean McDermott Mm -hmm. came from his own coaching tree and Andy Reid and not I mean, not for nothing. Andy Reid's coaching tree has, has done okay. I mean, John yeah. McDermott, Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl. Matt Nagy at least got hired. It's not like it's not like Bill Belichick's where everybody fails without him. No, I mean, right. I, I, I think, think well, learning under McDermott, who I would have loved for the Giants, by the way, if if McDermott ever got the chance to interview, but Coughlin was still here. I, I think learning from all different styles, I think, is helping, um, and I think did help Brian Dable. And I think the fact that he did what the Giants kind of need is, is to take a guy he, and took an offense that was 30th ranked in 2018 and got it to 23rd in 2019, to second in 2020 and third in 2021, and also had a coach an offense that had 70-plus points in the playoffs and yeah. would have been in the AFC Championship game had Patrick Mahomes was not given 13 seconds to get the ball down the field. I, I think he's been groomed and trained and prepared as best as as everyone could have given him to get him ready for the Giants. I think he's taking all of what he's learned and I don't think he's going to try to be I don't think he's going to try to do what Joe Judge did and try to be Bill Belichick Jr. and try to be something he's not. He's going to be himself and I think him being himself is I think is going to be good enough. I get that vibe. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly like like the vibe that I got was, you know, people saying it was 
it was vanilla or it was boring or straightforward. And I think everyone was pretty refreshed with that because what you got out of it was this. I don't plan on changing. I don't plan on, on taking over. I plan on creating this entity that's going to be successful because I'm not changing. I'm just going to be me. And I think being me, when you think about where he comes from, who he is, I mean, the guy's got six kids. He's got a little army at home. So he's used to, you know, a lot of stuff going on at one time. I, I feel mm -hmm. like he's not out to impress you. He's not here to do anything but win football games and do it the right way. I think with Judge, Judge had those intentions, but Judge, whether it was incompetency of the staff he had, he never wanted to let go. He never let anyone actually, you know, create the game plan or, or help the team move forward. He always wanted to be the smartest guy in the room, and he never really let go of being a special teams coach. He was too much control. I think Dable's like this, man, if I bring in the right people, I, I already know they're going to do the right job. I don't need to. And he said today I, I, that he has no plans on micromanaging anybody. So, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, he's here. I did like everything he had to say. The biggest adjustment I think for him, which which I thought was funny. Um, Doug, I know. did you watch the press conference? Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, Mike, did you watch the press conference by any chance? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Halfway through, he says something to this, and I'm paraphrasing. He's like, all I want to do is get back to my office and hire some people, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah I remember and, that line. And, and right, he, did. he and wants right to get back there, to his desk and get back to his office, and yeah. he wants to pick his staff. And, 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 and right there, I was, I, well, I was excited by his eagerness to get going. So I, so I think, could be wrong, but I think, the adjustment he's going to have to make is to realize that there are 40 reporters in the room where in Buffalo, you've got seven. Well, you know, already so the dude's getting roasted for the suit that he wore, right? He like walked in there. It's like, yeah, welcome to the New York media, man. You know, yeah. I mean, Hey, at least he didn't come in, he didn't come into his press conference looking like he wore his dad's suit. Like Ben McAdoo did. I mean, at least, I mean, at least Brian Dable like put some effort into like making himself look presentable. Oh yeah. Whereas Ben McAdoo just like, Look, that was like the first red flag. Like, come on, like at least address the part of what you're the job that you're taking. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, 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 Danny is in the room. Danny says he seemed to be a robot yesterday, and we needed that. I, I think so. I think it was about just football, 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 business, 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 and it wasn't. It wasn't about like selling us, you know, something like Judge right. did. And listen, at the time, we wanted to be sold, right? Like Judge said, everything right that you want. You wanted that feeling. You wanted to walk out there like pounding your chest when Judge left, and then you realize that when you promise all those things, there it's really hard to to uh, to fulfill all that. At the, at the same time, I mean, if you go back to 2020 and when we were uh, when the Giants were looking for that next head coach, Joe Judge kind of had to sell because when you look back at it, the first choice was Matt Rule, and then the second choice was Ron Rivera. And then after that, it was Mike McCarthy, all of which spurned the Giants. So it's kind of like when you heard that Joe Judge is interviewing, your first thing is, who the hell is Joe Judge? And then he won the job, which was like, where did that come from? And then it's this, this random special teams guy who nobody even like heard of and seen before, all of a sudden comes in, is the head coach of the New York Giants. And I, I just I feel like Joe Judge tried too hard to, to be Bill Belichick. 
and not more Joe Judge and why he won the job. And I, I don't know. I just I always felt like the um, the Giants got sold on the fourth best candidate when they wanted other guys ahead of them and they got spurned. And I felt like Gettleman was just trying to find somebody and got impressed by Judge because he was a little Belichick and really was kind of like the wish version of Bill Belichick. Yeah, because yeah. he talked tough, right? And we're, we have we're the, we're the Giants, and there's a uh, history of coaches that talk and tough kind of, or talk tough, right? Coughlin, Parcells. We all know Mara heard Judge in the interview and was like, "Oh, this is the guy. This is the replacement we've been looking for." And I told you, everybody wanted to be sold, right? Absolutely. After after Shermer, because he was the adult in the room, you wanted to be sold. So you bought in. And then, like I said, you know, it it didn't work out. And listen, and I'm sure Judge will be a good coach somewhere else someday, you know, just like Belichick was or just like Pete Carroll was. Like, you know, these guys, Timmy Toughnuts, that's right. That's right, Rich. You know, like he didn't need to take that approach. We all would have liked him if he had just – you know, wars emotions on his sleeve and tried. And Mike Spartan, you've heard me say it a bunch of times. You can be bad. Just give me some effort. Well, they regressed in that second year, though. That's kind of what lost me is, you know, if they went six and 10 that first year, you expect them to at least take the step forward and go eight and eight, but they went four and 12. And I know Jones was hurt, but you just looked around. It's like, you know, even the games that we could have won with Jones, they they were blowing because of terrible uh, game management. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, let's well, let's let's do this. Let's keep moving forward because the Giants are moving forward as we speak right now. They're burning the midnight oil over there at uh, you know, at, at MetLife and and the practice facility. They're burning oil moving forward. So let's do the same thing today. The announcement came out that, that uh, Mr. Dorsey got promoted by the Bills. He's been elevated to their offensive coordinator position. So our um, uh, what would be the word? Our pillaging. <laughs> of the of the Buffalo Bills staff has ended there so far. Um guys, um who's next in line for you guys? I mean, I have a personal uh, uh favorite which is Kafka Kafka from Kansas City, but I wanted to throw it at Spartan. I'll start with you, you know, do you have a preference who comes it in to OC? I almost feel like the OC is almost important as the coach, you know, because we really just need somebody to elevate Jones's game. But so Spartan, do you have someone in the tank that you're hoping gets the gig? You know, to be honest with you, I haven't thought about this one as much just because I, you know, I was so focused on the head coach and the general manager. And I kind of thought Dorsey was almost a bit of a shoe in. So because I made that mistake, I didn't really do my homework on like which offensive coordinator I like best. I did compile an article uh, about a month and a half ago for New York Giants Rush. And I outlined all the different options uh, for our future offensive coordinator. But, like, personally, I didn't make an opinion out of it. Okay. So, you, so you, you're so you right now, you're open to them bringing in whoever the best candidate is. You're, you're, new, you're, you're Canada right now. You're neutral. Exactly. You got it right. Switzerland. Switzerland. I thought it was Switzerland. Well, we, I thought Switzerland we can go with Switzerland. Well, Canada's kind of neutral, aren't they? They're in NATO. Up there, Exactly. Coincidentally, Brian Dable is Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, I don't know if you heard. So apparently the Giants are down to three three finalists for the offensive coordinator job. So one is uh, Chad O'Shea, who is the Browns wide receiver coach. And if I'm not mistaken, was one of the Dolphins um, offensive coordinators under uh, Brian Flores. There's Mike Kafka, who is the Chiefs uh, quarterback coach. 
Um, and the third one is Pep Hamilton, who is the Texans quarterback coach and is also a former offensive coordinator himself. Um, I, I honestly, I could lean towards Kafka cause he's young. I think, and I think we, you and I, Craig talked about this on a Twitter space. We talked about Kafka being potential, uh, big hire because he comes from the Andy Reed tree. I mean, Hey, you're, le- you're learning from Andy Reed. You're learning from Patrick Mahomes. Why not bring that to the giants? At the same case, I also made the case for Pep Hamilton because eight years ago, when Pep Hamilton was the uh, Indianapolis Colts, Indianapolis Colts, there we go, offense coordinator, he was seen as the potential next big head coach to maybe replace Tom Coughlin until the Colts had an 8-8 season. They finished 25th in offense. Andrew Luck couldn't stay healthy, and he got fired, which I didn't agree with. But at the same time, he also not only – uh, worked with uh, Andrew Luck, but he also worked a year with Justin Herbert, and he also did everything that he could working with uh, Davis Mills with the Texans. So right now, uh, Pep Hamilton, I know, has been interviewing for a couple different coordinator jobs. Sure. This could be a way for him to get right back into things and get right with a a. And I mean, Brian Dable still in NFL terms is still pretty young at forty six. So a, a young coordinator getting with a young, younger head coach can work with Daniel Jones. And I mean, if they can, you know, get Daniel Jones turned around and have, you know, the season that they think that he can have, I mean, Pep Hamilton's back on track to where he was eight years ago with the Colts. So yeah. I do you think want that though, they, Doug? What's that? Do you want that though? Because next thing you know, next year, if he does it, let's say, let's say they go, you know, eight and nine and they have a good year. Next thing you know, Pep Hamilton's leaving to go be a head coach and you're starting all over again. It happens all the time in the NFL. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like if you have a successful offense, it's going to happen no matter what. Like, if we have a top 10 offense two years in a row, we're going to lose whoever the offense coordinator is. I mean, I mean, it happens all over all the time. So, you know, if that's the case, then that um you know then god bless pep hamilton for picking the right job to get himself promoted to being a head coach yeah. but either way i think i think either hamilton or calf i don't think you can go wrong with either one because mm-hmm. i think both could do a great job given what they know what their experiences are and given the uh the goal which is to try and one run the offense for dable and two try and um you know give daniel jones the best uh, chance to succeed uh in 2022 well, Doug, can I ask this? Because, you know, uh, Dable said that in his press conference the other day that, you know, his offensive strategy strategy was always to find what the players are best at and then mm-hmm. to play calling and build the offense around that. Uh, I didn't see that with Daniel Jones. I felt like they're trying to smush him into a system that didn't work. What what system, what play calling do you think works best for Jones? I mean, go back to his rookie year in 2019 when he was with Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer mm-hmm. didn't really put handcuffs on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones got to throw the football. He got to throw the football down the field. He got to use his legs. Um, I don't. I, I, I felt like Jason Garrett tried to make Daniel Jones too much into a Troy Aikman conservative guy. Who, granted, they had. I mean, they have Saquon Barkley sitting there, and then the you know week two, Saquon Barkley gets hurt with a torn ACL, and then all of a sudden you're kind of like having to um, kind of go with this, like, go, fly by the weak offense. But at the same time, like, Daniel Jones has arm strength. And Daniel Jones can clearly get the ball down the field, which he did in year one. He he got production out of Golden Tate and Evan Ingram and everybody else that he was throwing the football to. Slayton. And then all of a sudden, you can't even get 500 yards out of Kenny Galladay. And you can't even get the ball to Evan Ingram and – 
I mean, I mean, Darius Slayton looked like an all-world pro in year one, and all of a sudden, Darius Slayton has become this afterthought. Like, yeah, I just feel like Jason Garrett being brought in as the offensive coordinator pampered Daniel Jones' success and was the absolute worst thing that he could have done. And granted, Joe Judge wanted to bring Brian Dable with him, but Buffalo blocked that. Maybe if Brian Dable was brought in as the offensive coordinator, we'd be talking about a different uh, different scenario here with our coaching and who's here or not. But I just – I don't know what the Giants – and I don't know if that was a John Mara move, what they were thinking bringing Jason Garrett in, but he was the worst thing for Daniel Jones' success. So, the, I mean, if you, you saw it with Brian Dable and Josh Allen. Throw the football, be aggressive, go deep, do yep. what you know how to do best, which is – just find your guys find, and, and make sure that your offensive line is keeping you upright. But at the end, I, I mean, at least, and, and I think Craig and I talked about this when, you know, Eli Manning did this and, and Daniel Jones, like, okay, you threw interceptions your first year. That shows you're being aggressive. You're trying, you're trying to make plays down the field. Like Daniel Jones didn't do that in years two and three. I think we're going to see that in year four. Yeah. Maybe Daniel Jones has an interception here and there. He's thrown, he's thrown a few. I'm more concerned about the fumbling issue and keeping the ball and maybe getting out of the pocket, um, maybe a second or two out and use your legs and show your athleticism. That's what I want to see. Those are some of the things that I think that Brian Dable is going to um, feature. And I think that's some of the things that he's going to work on as they get into training camp and everything else that they, they do before the season starts. The guys in the room, I got a bunch of guys in here. I got, I got Rich, I got Tom, I got Adam, I got, I got Jim. Oh, I will say most of these guys in here are all behind Pep. Like, so uh, I'll pop some of these comments up on here. Uh, Rich says, uh, "Pep Hamilton, are we are we riot?" I think, I think he's the. I think he's the. I, I don't. I don't know if anyone's a favorite right now. I know they're finalists, but I mean, he's he's a big name, and I mean, his track record. Yep. I mean, granted, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes on his side, but he knows how he's run the offense before, and he's was interviewed for a couple different jobs, so. To me, I think I think you would be a solid hire, but I mean, if Mike Kafka gets the job too, I'm not going to complain about Don't it you. because yeah. I like Andy Reid's coaching tree and the fact that he's learned under Andy Reid and watched uh, Patrick Mahomes the last couple of years. How can you go wrong with that? Yeah, Pet. Yeah, Rock says that Pep would be an excellent match. I think there was another one down here. Uh, uh, Jim says uh, uh, Hamilton worked with Herbert. That's a great point, Jim. Yep. Like, you know, you are you are talking about a guy who's been connected to, you know, two or three really good QBs. So having Pep Hamill to get this get this gig, I don't think anybody would be upset about it. Um, and and I'm, again, like I think it's also um, a potential shoulder to lean on for Dable, too, because Pep's been around a little bit longer. So I think that could be a good match. You know, um, that's right. I. I, I see you, J-Rock. I know you're in there, man. I appreciate you guys jumping in. Um, hey, oh, he actually, Rock says that he likes he likes Kafka too, former QB and worked with Mahomes. Like, listen, the guys that they have left available, if it's Kafka or it's or it's Pep, either one of them are an enormous, and I stress, enormous leap over over Garrett and, and Freddie Kitchens. So anything that those two guys bring to the table – you know, and I know there's no no lateral move. I wish you could almost make Kafka like the passing coordinator and make Pep Hamilton the offensive coordinator and bring them both in. 
I don't, I don't think that Kafka would take it like going from a QB coach to a passing coordinator. I know it's in a title that it may be a step up, but if there was a way to somehow, you know, cause there are franchises out there that have passing coordinators, running coordinators, and then offensive coordinators. I don't think Kafka would take to that, take to that, that bump. Maybe he would, but man, think about if you could bring in Kafka as the passing coordinator and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pep is the offensive coordinator. That would be awesome. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving uh, to the next topic. But thanks, guys, for uh, for tuning in another episode of the Giants, guys. Um, I'll produce this up, drop it into YouTube tomorrow. Uh, I like being that we're live again, by the way, on Twitter and YouTube. So I see a lot of guys in the room. You guys are on YouTube, as I know we've been on YouTube for a while now. But Twitter is back, so you can always pop over to there. Um, all right. So I listened to a couple interviews Dable did today. Spartan, one thing that jumped out at me is how he's very, I love his sense of humor. I love that, you know, he's uh, talking to the, you know, the media by name, right? But he did say this, which I thought was interesting. He said um, that a backup with experience is great, but at this point in time, he's not, he's not willingly to talk about the backup QB or a QB to compete with Jones because he needs to evaluate the whole roster. Yeah. So, 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 so Mike, Let's do a little help. Let's help them out a little bit here. The Giants need a backup quarterback. We know it won't be from. We know it won't be Glennon because they are just not NFL. I hope to God it's neither of those two. <laughs> yes. But Spartan, here's what, we, what they do need. They need someone to do one of two things. Compete or push or both Daniel Jones. Um, there, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys out there that are going to be available. Spartan, do you got do you have someone that you think is a good fit? Because there's about six guys that I think free agent wise could fit, um, or at least from a money standpoint, do you have a preference on who the backup QB could be? Yeah, so this is what I want the Giants to do with that situation. I don't really want them to go the free agent route because of two reasons. Ooh. One, it's gonna cost a little bit more money, and it's going to um uh, I feel like all the guys that are going to be free agents, we already know what their capabilities are, like their maximum potential. What I really want the Giants to do is in round two of the NFL draft, right? Because we got two. No, first don't picks. say it. Don't I, say it. I, I got to say it, man. Look, don't touch with those first two picks. But when that second pick comes around, see who slid. If, if by any chance any of those top six guys slid. You, you know, Spartan, what you're saying. You just don't want to come out and say it. I already am reading the tea leaves. And I already know who you're t- – and it's not happening. We're not bringing in a quarterback from Liberty. Okay, the guy is who never – I never said him. I never said him. I, I, I'm reading, reading for it. I'll be I'm honest. Reading. I have a controversial guy that, that is my favorite in the draft. It is not, it is not Malik Willis, man. But right. – Speak but, to me. Speak to me. But you got to understand something about these young quarterbacks, right? We don't really know their full potential. At a second-round pick, it's worth the cost, and it's also worth the cost the fact that it's not going to cost as much money as some of the free agents. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the Fitzpatrick with the the Washington with Washington. Uh, he cost the team multi millions. He doesn't come that cheap, and he's not bringing wins to the team. I don't see a lot of uh, free agent options that are going to uh, come at a super discount and bring wins to the Giants in case Jones goes down. So that's why I want a little bit of risk, and I feel like we might get a little bit more reward. All right, if it's not Willis, who is it? It's not Willis. Uh, my 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 favorite dude, and and you know this is after me and uh, me and Truth both agreed after we did research 
uh, on the guy and watched him fall through. I, I thought Sam Howell out of North Carolina surprised me more than anybody. Interesting. Okay, and Doug. What are you, no, no, no. I, I not only uh, do I appreciate the thought of coming in at a cost-effective, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, slot because you don't have the money, right? And I just, I, but drafting a quarterback in the second round. They're not usually your starting QB over a period of time. They just they have they're missing something, and the Giants can't afford to miss anything. So, Doug, what do you what do you got for me here? Like, give me give me something I can hold on to here. All right, I I do not think the Giants are taking a quarterback in this draft. I think if they're going to take a quarterback in the draft, I think it's going to be in twenty twenty three. And that's mm-hmm. if they are convinced that uh, Daniel Jones either is not the guy or maybe his neck just can't hold up or they, they want to take their own quarterback, which is their right. But judging from the way Joe Shane and Brian Dable talked about Daniel Jones, I feel like they're going to go with this guy. But at the same time, they don't want to get caught with their pants down like they did if you know Daniel Jones suffers a neck injury or like he did the year before with a hamstring issue. And every year that – that Daniel Jones has been a pro. He's missed a few games because of injuries. So the red flag is there. So I, I, there's two quarterbacks in, in my mind, um, veterans who probably will not cost a lot of money. The first one is Marcus Mariota. Um, if you want a quarterback who is similar in style, can run, um, can needs a second chance to start, got yes. to play with the Raiders for a little bit, um, I feel like Mariota could jump on a chance to maybe start, you know, God forbid, if he get if Daniel Jones can't go, he can play the second. And I know Craig and I have talked about this because you're talking about a Buffalo system. You're talking about somebody that they know. And again, we're talking about a guy for a second chance. And I know some giant fans are going to cringe at this, but at the same time, you're talking about a backup who is there to play and give you a chance to compete and not look like Mike Glenn. Lennon, and that's Mitch Trubisky. He will not cost a lot of money. Like he is right now in Buffalo. He's a pro. He knows he's going to probably know Brian Dable's playbook. He's already played a handful of seasons as a quarterback. And if I'm not mistaken, he's been to the playoffs. He's, he's already he's been to the playoffs with Matt Nagy. So you're talking about a guy who at least knows what to do, can play the, play the, the position of starting quarterback, Granted, you're not talking about a guy who you're going to build your franchise on, but right now you're going into a, 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 a game plan of 2022 where Daniel Jones is still going to be your guy, but God forbid the neck, the hamstring, or something else pops up on this guy and you need to stick somebody in there and you don't want and yes, playing Jake Fromm was the right move, but you also got to see what Jake Fromm is, and <laughs> he just he didn't feel like he was the guy. Man, and was he know, not the guy? But, yeah, you know, we found okay that out because because they at least did that. Whereas Ben McAdoo did not put in Davis Webb when he should have when he benched Eli Manning in 2017. You want to see what your your rookie quarterback can do? Yep. If he stinks. Great. He stinks. Let's find something else. That's the that's what you do in the NFL, you, especially when you're a, a two and whatever team. Your team stinks. You have young guys who are sitting on the bench. See if they can play. If they can't, fine. We go we go and find somebody else. That's talent evaluating. And yeah. that's what that's what separates good coaches from bad coaches. And 
granted, Joe Judge at least made the right decision to play Jake Fromm, and at some places he had no cho- no choice because Mike Glennon also got hurt. But still, you saw what he had. You had he wasn't very good. You you go the another route, and so for me, my two free agent choices: Marcus Mariota and Mitch Trubisky. But I would sign them solely as backups, and God forbid if Daniel Jones gets hurt. And I mean, I'm hoping he doesn't. But still, you have to prepare for the for the worst case scenario. And for a guy who's been injured every year, he's been a pro. Yep, you got to prepare for that. So you need guys who are ready to take the job. I like the Mariota. I like the Mariota option. That would really push Jones a lot. I know Mariota wants to start, so he's going to bring his A game. I mean, he would really push Jones. Jones, of course, has never been pushed, so he doesn't know what it feels like. Um, right. So, you know, and uh, uh, Zane's in the room. You know, what's happened, Zane? Mariota hasn't thrown more than two passes in a season. I mean, yeah, they, they used him at, like, Wildcat. They've done okay. a lot with him. So there is a little bit of, of uh, hesitation there. But, I mean, look, there's – uh, Bridgewater's out there. I think. I think. Um, uh, I think. Uh, I think Teddy would cost more. Tyrod Taylor's out there. I mean, Taylor's always a game. Tyrod, there are Tyrod some guys. Is one of the most unfortunate quarterbacks. No doubt. Tyrod Taylor's won a lot of starting jobs, and think about it. He's been hurt for unfortunate reasons, and and guys like he got hurt in San uh, San Diego slash Las uh, Los Angeles, and then Justin Herbert comes in. I mean. That guy has been hurt so many unfortunate times and other guys have taken his job. I would be fine. I mean, it's just Tyrod Taylor would be fine and Teddy Bridgewater would be fine. I just think that because they've gotten to play so much and because they're viable options, I just think they're they're out of the Giants' price range as far as what they need yeah. to do with how they spend their assets in free agency. And right now, the Giants don't have any until they start making some cuts. And Terry Bridgewater. I just is going to cost just about as much as Jones is getting paid right now. Oh, well, on his rookie contract? Yeah, I, I, like it's said, that's serious. And, and Mariota is, like you said, he, he. I look at him the same way. Like I really wouldn't mind him coming here, but then I look at the, the you know, the cost of even like a, a subpar quarterback, and it's it's insane these days. Mason Mason says that uh, Mariota doesn't push the ball downfield. Brissett would be a, would a great addition. That's another guy that you know is so that's there. Another, that's another name. Here, here's the thing about Teddy Bridgewater: we need to remember is Teddy Bridgewater is going to want to. On start in Denver, even if they draft a rookie quarterback, Teddy's going to think in his mind, I'm getting my job back. Yeah. I'm staying in Denver because he produced really well. And Teddy's just a cool cat. You know what I mean? He gets hurt. He comes back like a champ every year. Yeah. It's unbelievable that that poor guy like Tyrod, he's gotten hurt a lot. But I think in Denver, if they go out and draft, uh, uh, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers and they draft a rookie quarterback, whether it's Corral or, or, uh, or Willis, whoever they draft, Bridgewater's going to be the gap. So I don't think Bridgewater's leaving because it's not a guarantee he'd start here. I think there's an 80% chance he could start in Denver, at least for half the year, right? Um, you know, and then, like, when you talk about, like, you know, Mariota, you're right. He may cost a little bit, and he doesn't – and Mason's right. He doesn't push the ball down the field. Um, listen, there's another guy out there that you guys haven't mentioned, which I'm surprised that you got haven't mentioned, is Dalton. Andy Dalton has won a lot of games in Cincinnati, man. I mean, he's got he's got really good experience. You know, he he could be another guy. I don't know how much you're going to pay Andy Dalton because he kind of fell from gl- grace by you know not getting it done. In, in, he made uh, he made ten million dollars last year with the Bears. Yeah, there's no way he makes that kind of pay pay cut anymore. He's literally on the back nine. 
I mean, if anything, I mean, Andy Dalton could be a good mentor for, for Daniel Jones. I mean, that's his, his knowledge in itself would be valuable to Daniel Jones. I mean, yeah, you're not paying Andy Dalton $10 million when you have to fill so many needs on the giants. But I mean, if you can get Andy Dalton to sign for maybe less than 5 million, maybe 4 million, if you get him around that, that area, yeah, I mean, his experience alone, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, you want him to push Daniel Jones, but at the same time, like, Andy Dalton has to realize what he is now, and he's basically, he is an older veteran quarterback who might be a starter in week four, or he's sitting there holding a headset and a clipboard. But, I mean, yep. Andy Dalton can also go in and play the next week if you need to, which he did for the Bears. And is Andy Dalton going to win you a Super Bowl? Probably not. But can Andy Dalton at least start a, a game or three for you? Yes, he can. So, yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton's not going to like – he's not like, oh, we got to sign Andy Dalton. We have to go out and right. get him like we would for an offensive lineman or a pass rusher. But, I mean, as a safe, like a guy who's going to be a backup and maybe help mentor you and get you ready and at the same time is going to push you for your job because Andy Dalton, of course, wants to start and play in the NFL – yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Um, it, it Zane just, says mean, that it, Mariota it only costs 3.5. No, thanks for keeping me straight on that one, Zane, because honestly, you know, I was looking at the, the contract he had right before that, not the uh, not the deal that he signed with the Raiders. Because that's because at 3.5, you could have Mariota at 3.5 million. That's like, like that's you that's, couldn't that's ask cheap. for a better price on that's a guy. Cheap. That's 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 inexpensive, cheap. You don't you're not big, you're not breaking your bank. You if three and a half million for a backup quarterback is not a bad deal at all for what Mariota c- could potentially give you. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Mason's got a pretty good point here. Bringing a journeyman as a backup, let DJ play if he balls out, trade him. Injuries are a problem, franchise tag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it I mean, it makes sense that they need a, a, a veteran quarterback that actually can play. Okay, right. Glennon, Glennon could not play. So, you know, there's a, I mean, look, there's other guys like there's trading for, I've heard a lot of scenarios, but there's trading for car. There's, you know, there's, um, there's, uh, um, um, Chad Henney. Now Chad Henney would cost you literally like a million dollars, but he's like 36 years old, you know? Um, you know, so there are some guys out there, but it's going to be, and I know Dable said that he's not concentrating right now on, on challenging Jones because there's a lot of other things to think about. But it is going to be something that needs to be addressed sooner than later because we all know that we can't win if Jones goes down. Clearly, they yeah. lost six straight after he got hurt. Um, all right, so uh, Dable also said, you know, there's a there needs a lot of improvement in a lot of places. So, you know, we we talked about the old line, we talked about linebackers. Um, this wide receiver squad is is is. Um, Really unique right now, uh, Spartan. I'm going to throw this over to you. What are what are the, what do you want to see out of the Giants' wide receiving core? Because last year we went on what I would say this on paper. Last year, our receiving core literally—if I can pull the tweets from last July and last August—people were like, "Yo, we've got the best wide receiving core in football." Like the the amount of props the amount of you know gloating we were all doing about our wide receiver court and now i'm sitting here with no you know probably no tight end a 72 million dollar wide receiver that didn't catch a touchdown pass 
a first round pick that cannot stay healthy. And I'm not sure how much football he wants to play. I mean, right now with, I know this is going to aggravate some people, but he's closer to being a bust than he is being a non-bust. I'm not saying he's not elect. I'm not saying he's not electric. I want to give him as much time as possible outside of those outside of that. What are we really looking at? If you're not bringing Shepard back, I mean, what does this look like, Mike? What do the wide receivers look like? And is, and is Dable actually, you know, does he care? Because, you know, they traded for Diggs at Buffalo and the entire team changed. You know, I, I think Dable talked about it the other day in the press conference. Again, he's going to try to look for what uh, offensive system and what offensive play calling will fit his team best, not just the quarterback. And I think he's going to put the wide receivers in a better position to utilize their skills. I mean, look. Kenny G, he's made the Pro Bowl before. He's had good seasons, right? He can be a good football player. I look back at last year and just think that he was completely underutilized. Uh, you know, Tony, some maturity things there that, I, that he's got to kind of work on. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about. But, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to touch wide receiver right now in terms of get a new guy, really draft a new guy high. I mean, that's almost completely out of the question. I really just just want to see, you know, what what can we really do with these wide receivers that we have now with a competent offensive-minded coach and not Jason Garrett? So, okay, so fresh. Humor, I mean, uh, Spartan, humor me here. Um, Slayton is, you know, he had dropsies and stuff like that, you know, at, you know this year. Um, he's definitely fallen off the map. But if we think about those deep passes that, that, that Jones throws, he's throwing them to Slayton. Like when you think about all those those balls, not that there's many, <laughs> right? But the, but the handful that Jones throws, is it worth bringing Slayton back? Uh, is is right now his contract year? I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I haven't thought about. I feel like I haven't thought about Slayton in three years, to be honest. With you. <laughs> okay, like, there was a point in time there where I thought I had so much hope for the guy, and then it's like two seasons where he hasn't done anything for the Giants. Uh, I mean, look, if we're talking re-signing him, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on how much he's asking for. But I, I don't really think that, you know, uh, they should be relying on Slayton, regardless of whether they sign him or, or what happens as much as wide receiver. You know, they got to get the ball around to, to Kenny Holiday and, and uh, Tony more when Tony's help. Go ahead, Doug. Give me anything here that's going to make me feel like this receiving core actually is going to score touchdowns this year. I think – I mean, I think Kenny Galladay was uninspired, and I feel like he was uninspired because of Jason Garrett. And, I mean, he didn't want to say it publicly, but you could kind of tell that Kenny Galladay did not like uh, Jason Garrett's system. Although, alligator arming that potential touchdown in Week 18 against the Washington Commanders, whatever you want to call them, tomorrow. Um, Is tomorrow the day? I mean, he what's that? Is tomorrow the day? Tomorrow's the day where we find out what the Washington football team becomes something else. So, but, um, <laughs> I mean, Kenny, Kenny Gall- I mean, Kenny Galladay's got talent. My concern with him is the injuries. And he was hurt for a, quite a bit last year, too. But, you know what? We're going to wipe the slate clean. You can't cut him. I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, I think Brian Dable is more of the, he's going to see what, you know, what works with Kenny Galladay. Um, same thing with Kadarius Tony. I mean, for the amount of time we saw Kadarius Tony, 
he's electric. I mean, he almost put yep. up 200 yards against the Cowboys. Um, at the same time, yeah, you might have a bit of a, a maturity thing, which I think I think this coach is the right guy to kind of maybe mold that guy. Um, he needs to stay healthy, but I mean, that's without saying with every single player at any position. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, Darius Slayton's kind of in a make or break because, and he's also, I listed him last night. I mean, if Joe Shane wants caught him, he could, and he could save some money on his contract, but I think he, I, I could see him rather, you know, using him, trying to see if he can find the magic that he had in uh, 2018 when he was a rookie, Yeah. Um, you know, playing with Eli Manning. Um, you know, I feel like Darius Slayton, ever since that drop in week two where the Giants would have sealed that win against Washington, that drop just kind of like negated his season in a downward spiral. And he wasn't really the same guy we saw the in the years past. Um, and I mean, we also had a speed burner in John Ross who – barely got used and i feel like that was criminal i mean you have a guy who can literally outrun the entire team yet you used them a fraction of, of Man, what you, sh- you could have i that mean is there's such the a good point speed kills such how a great not, point how do you not throw deep i mean if anything if you want to see him as, as a deshaun jackson fine throw him down the, the field go deep let him see if he can go get it that's what guys like that they're small they're they're fast let them go get the ball down the field and beat the cornerbacks down the field. The fact that the Giants didn't do it was criminal. And now I think Ross was on a one-year deal, so I don't know if he's coming back. Other than that, I mean, I mean, Evan Ingram is likely gone. He was another target you could go deep to. Evan Ingram was also one of the most frustrating players I ever saw in the Giants because he had the potential of being an all-world pro who was too fast to cover and too slow for linebackers to cover. And yet he dropped some of the most key catches, the Philadelphia game, obviously being the uh, most uh, looked at because that was on national TV. It was a freaking walk off. And he dropped. I think Evan Ingram eventually, I think Evan Ingram is going to go somewhere else in which the giant and, and Kyle Rudolph is going to be a $5 million uh, salary cap cut. And Caden Smith, I think is probably going to be a $2 million salary cap cut too. The Giants are going to need a tight end. I think they addressed that in the draft. There's a couple of them that are in the draft, but at the same True. time, you're kind of, I mean, Joe Shane, I think, is going to is gonna rebuild a lot of these things through the draft. I mean, that's been Buffalo's M.O. when him and Brandon Bean were running the team for the last four years. He wasn't a big free agents guy. He built this team through the draft and, and worked with what he had. So I think some of the receivers you have now likely will be back. Um, it's just a matter of, I think it's Brian Dable trying to coach them the way that he saw with um, – you know, with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox and all the guys that he had in Buffalo, I think he's going to try to, you know, use what he had and, and try to give, you know, give them the, the proper guidance and coaching and try, you know, give Daniel Jones weapons to succeed as long as they stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I threw this comment up from giants opinion, uh, opinion sports, because it's true. The, the install of the offense, you know, in, in August just didn't have the deep routes to justify having John Ross and and um, and Kenny Galladay, like he's a 50-50 guy. Throw 10 balls at him, he catches five of them, right? But we're just not throwing the ball vertical. Everything is all horizontal. So it's, I think it's a good point that the scheme and the system was wrong from jump. So you had the wrong type of players with the wrong system. And it makes a lot of sense because there was no pre-snap motion. 
There was no play action. There was no rollout. There was no vertical passing. Like it was almost doomed from the beginning, but we all kept looking the other way, you know, and we just started being, it'll happen. It'll happen. I mean, John Ross is always hurt. I got, I got people all over me for saying it, but like the dude is literally hurt every year on every team of every month he's ever played. So if he, if he calls you, if he costs you next to nothing, then yeah, bring him back. You know what I mean? Because you're right. You're not going to have Ingram. But I will say this. I love, I love the tight end play of, you know, Kittle and Kelsey and Waller and these guys. I love that. There are, there are six, six absolute freaking studs to draft in the third round. The Giants have two picks in the first, one second, and two picks in the third. If you pick one of these tight ends on your second pick in the third round, that kid could play for eight years for you. There are a bunch of them out there um, that are available. And Spartan, if you guys, when you do your draft show every other week with, with the truth, when you guys, when you guys cover tight ends, I know you're doing linemen first, but when you guys do tight ends, call me, I want in on that show because I'm, I am on the tight end podcast. Yep. Yes, let me know when that's going to be because I'm telling Zane they are big and f- fast physical tight ends. There's a there's one of them. I'm drawing a blank right now. I have I have one that I've actually taken in a couple of my mock drafts. Uh, Jake Ferguson. He's it, been one uh, of is he from Washington? It's either Washington or Wisconsin. I don't know. Okay, because to... one of them, and I'm and I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, Jake Ferguson. Right. Um, he's their number one receiver on the team. Like, like he's a, mm-hmm. he's like, like, you know, he's the number one, like he's got a thousand yards receiving as a tight end. Like, Can I ask this about the guy? Cause I, I don't know him that well. I haven't really scouted the tight ends yet. Is he a tight end that um, can kind of cut up the middle, like a big body. It's also tough to cover because he, he's so big. Yes. Down low? Okay. All right. That's why yes. I want him. Yes. This isn't 1984. That's why, that's why I want him. I've seen, I've seen his film. That's, I mean, I mean, look, Eli Manning used to make a living off of throwing third and third and sixth play action to a tight end. And I mean, he, he, that's how he you know, made a bread and butter of being so successful. And I mean, I, I feel like Daniel Jones could benefit from a good tight end. And, I, I you know, Evan Ingram at, at first looked like he could have been his tight end, but he dropped too many passes. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, yep. I'm definitely in favor of getting a tight end. We have two picks sure. in the third round. And I mean, yep. who knows? I mean, we could have, I mean, if, if Joe Shane decides that he wants to trade, let's say, let's say he decides to trade Dexter, Dexter Lawrence for more draft capital, that could happen. I mean, we could be adding more picks into this draft to get more, you know, draft capital and players in, into our team. And yeah, I mean, Jake Ferguson has been the guy that I've, I've mocked drafts so many times because yeah. it just, he's a guy who makes sense for the Giants. I mean, and I, I am Giants, always a fan of, of tight ends because you have to look back at the, uh, the last, Several Super Bowl winners. Almost all of them had elite tight ends. Ertz, Kels, and uh, uh, Gronk. You know, I, I think what they add to the team is that they're able to just open up the offense a little bit more. And if you go back to 2000, I believe, because I did analysis on it, a uh, team was more likely to have a Pro Bowl tight end than a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Uh, so I, I am all for it. I'm all for it. I mean, what, what, what round are they projecting this this dude to go in? Well, again, there there are there are about there are five, I think, five or six like very competitive tight ends that like uh, uh, 
Doug likes Ferguson, which I do too. There's one from Wisconsin. There's one from Ohio State. There's oh, the Ferguson's kid from, from Colorado Ferguson's from is yeah. Ferguson's the Wisconsin guy. Yeah, the kid from the kid from Colorado is a badass. Okay, is it um, McBride? I I, I think I've so, done so yeah. many drafts. I've I've come up. I see a couple tight end names. I think it might be McBride. I gotta look at at the actual tight Spartan, ends. I've, you gotta I've go check out this kid from Colorado. He's literally their David number Bryant. one wide wide receiver. He is literally the the like the hot route in their offense. Like so, you've got some big Colorado body State, fast guys. Trey McBride. Trey, so That's it. Trey McBride from Colorado State. I'll just give you. So in his senior year, he had ninety catches, one thousand one hundred and twenty one yards. He did have one touchdown, but he had ten touchdowns total in his four years at Colorado State. Yeah. When's the last time you've seen a, a college tight end with a thousand yards? Never. <laughs> Never. So that's, Seriously, that's, look, maybe, so, maybe some Big Ten schools. I, I don't know about no way, so. Spartan. No way. Go look him up. Go look up. Uh, go look up Kittle. No way. Go Kelsey. Don't, nobody, because in college, you know, they like to throw the ball around. He, this, this kid from Colorado, or or Ferguson, or or uh, Kohler. Uh, Zane's talking about Kohler from Iowa, like. If the Giants can't figure out how to draft a tight end in the third round with their second pick, that you know, I would be disappointed because they need a tight end and you don't want to coach up a tight end. Like the like the next Ertz or the next, you know, um, you know, Kittle was taken in the fifth round. So there are some there are some guys out there. Definitely. I mean Dawson Knox was third round pick in twenty nineteen. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, McBride's not. You're right. You're you're definitely right. Uh, uh, opinion. Uh, he's not betrayed. McBride is definitely not much of a blocker. But here's the thing: you might bring Caden Smith back, you know, on a dirt cheap contract because he's a superior blocker. So, you know, that could happen too. And you know, um, but you know, there is some tight ends out there that can increase this um, this pe- uh, pass catching core. Let's move on to the 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 dirt that happened today. Like what is going on with Flores? I mean, holy smoke. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll preface it with this. Regardless of what side of you're on, you know, or what you know, or what you don't know, people, uh, Brian Flores coach in Miami, you know, let go. He's now, he was in the running for the uh, head coaching job at the giants. He didn't get it. Now he's suing the Giants in literally 24 hours. He's suing the Giants um, with a whole bunch of a litany of, of, of things that he think happened. And, uh, and we can, we'll dive into it here in a second. But I want to say this to you two guys. What is Bill Belichick thinking? Like, so if you guys don't know the story, Flores is communicating with Bill Belichick at least this is the the story that we're, it seems to be unfolding. I cannot say I know for sure, but the screen grab that they show in the lawsuit says that it's Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick congratulated Flores on you know the job of the Giants coaching and Flores says, "Coach, you know it's Flores and not Dable." And he goes, "Whoops, my bad. I I effed up. I think they're hiring Dable." So so I go back to this picture of Belichick on the sideline throwing the iPad. Like, I mean, remember those? Remember those pictures of yeah. Belichick throwing? And I just keep thinking, like, 
Keep the technology away from Bill. Please. He's almost 70. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, everything from the Giants' perspective seems on the up and up, okay? They interviewed Patrick Graham. They interviewed Leslie Frazier. Uh, everything seems to be on the up and up. But I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, someone take Bill Belichick's phone away. Um, so that's kind of the story. So there is a lawsuit. Flores, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this to you guys. I'll start with you, Doug, and then Spartan. I'm going to go to you, um, Doug. Um, what's your overall theory on how they hired the, uh, the coaches? Do you feel it was on the up and up? I liked Flores, but I did like Dable better. But go ahead. It's, it's, your, it's your floor. Yeah. I, I, first, I think it, it was definitely on the up and up. I mean, John Mara personally reached out to Brian Flores and said, yeah, we have interest in you. We want to bring you in for an interview. And, you know, apparently that they had a Zoom meeting before um, Joe Shane even uh, got to interview and schedule an interview with him. So the Giants definitely had interest in Brian Flores as a coach. And didn't see him as just, oh, we have to interview him to comply with the Rooney rule. No. I mean, they brought in Patrick Graham to interview him, and that was more seen as a courtesy because, you know, he was, you know, he coached well with the defense. Leslie Frazier felt more like a Rooney rule. They brought him in twice, and they, you know, they brought him in personally. They had him in on Zoom. They had him in personally. And he's a good coach. Yep. I mean, he's. I mean, granted, he interviewed just after his defense led up, you know, the against Kansas City, but still, he had a top-ranked defense in 2021 with the Buffalo Bills, and yet, I mean, the Giants complied with all the rules. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I see it as Bill Belichick got confused. He texted the wrong person, and Brian Flores, you know, felt like he got burned, and he's taking it personally. Now, granted. Brian Flores, I think, has more of a gripe against the Denver Broncos because he's saying that John L.A. and all of them treated him like a Rooney rule by coming in hungover, um, not asking him proper questions, which is all in the I didn't see that. that I read in the Denver section. So, okay. I mean, he might have a gripe against Denver, and he might have more of a gripe against the Dolphins if it's proven that Stephen Ross was paying him money to tank games and it's a quarterback poach um, because they were trying to get the number one pick in 2020. So if that's proven true, I think Brian Flores' lawsuit has more uh, merit against those two teams as opposed to him interviewing Giant. legitimately for the job. And I know, I mean, I've met John Mara many times. I've, I've talked to all – they're very professional guys. They are very much by the book. Um, I mean, John Mayer, I know, liked Flores, and they gave him a chance. They, I mean, basically, the Zoom meeting counts as an interview. The, in, the in-person interview counts as another one. They have legitimate interest in him, but at the same time, he got fired because he clashed with management. All the other stuff, I mean, I mean that's for another day, but he, fought, he got fired because he clashed with management. He had four offensive coordinators in three years, yet, uh, yes, he still, you know, he went 19-14 and 14 the last two years. He beat Bill Belichick four out of six times. But at the same time, you're a defensive-minded guy who was a former linebacker coach who got to be the interim defensive coordinator under Belichick. You need a you need a guy who is willing to run the offense. Who's you're basically bringing in the same thing that you did in Buffalo for da- for Josh Allen, and you need that with Daniel Jones because you're committing this year to Daniel Jones. Who's the more suitable guy? The defensive guy 
yes, he's won, but he's also got a little bit of a checkered with what happened in Miami or the guy who was once an offensive assistant of the year who literally was 13 seconds away from coaching in the AFC championship game and worked wonders and got a 30th ranked offense to number two in the NFL within two years. Who is the more logical hire for the New York Giants? In the end, I think the Giants got it right with Brian Dable. I just, I think he's the perfect fit for what they need right now into, into the future. And just with everything that you're hearing, I mean, lawsuit stuff aside, I just feel like Brian Dable was the better choice for the Giants over Brian Flores. Yeah, and if you guys out there listening to the show, I mean, I see Adam out there, and I get Giant Sports, Mason's out there, Zane, you're out there, Adam. I see you guys in there. If you guys got questions on this topic, like, bring it up, because Spartan, it's a pretty interesting topic, and as Doug just said, like, I really do think he's got a, a, a gripe with the Dolphins, if it's true. I mean, 100 grand to lose games and tanking games, you don't hear that stuff. In fact, I had a buddy of mine sent me a text before we started the show that said, this likes, you know, will the NFL, and I think... Um, Giant uh, opinion uh, sports said the same thing. Maybe the NFL forces them to sell the team. It's like Marge shot all over again from the Cincinnati Reds in the eighties. Like, yep. you know, you're doing stuff that just, you know, you're the integrity of the NFL and the shield goes very far. Okay. And they take it very serious. Um, Spartan, like, do you, do you see a, you know, um, you know, the, the NFL stepping in and, and it was a question from, uh, uh, hang on. Uh, I think it was uh, here. It is. Dolphins are a mess. Here it is. Um, do you guys think the NFL will force the owners to sell the team? Like, is that possible, Spartan? And secondly, yes. follow up with that. Hold on, hold on. Second question is: Is has you know, has Flores shot himself in the foot here? Is he going to become taboo? You know, because man, like I don't know. Like he's got some gripes, but like it feels like he might have hurt himself i guess or he'll become a rich man and it won't matter <laughs> well sure no i look i look at the whole dolphin situation if he can prove that that's all true then yeah he's got a legitimate uh uh gripe here and and i do see the nfl possibly forcing the dolphins to sell if that's true you know there's a lot that yeah i'm very interested to see how this unfolds right uh, uh and then to your second point with with flores he shot himself in the foot I actually don't think like if there was no controversy around his coaching leading up to the recent incidences, I would say uh, probably not. But because there were already problems with him as head coach of the Dolphins, I think that shot himself in the foot more so than what's going on here. Now, obviously, if it comes out that he's uh, not correct about his the allegations, then he's completely shot himself in the foot. But if he's right about it, then th this shouldn't affect him at all. Well, I mean, also, I mean, Brian Flores was also up. I mean, and as far as I know, he still is. He's still up for the Houston Texans job. And I know the New Orleans Saints were bringing him in, too. And I know, I think they were speaking to him. But at the same time, now as, as the GM of these teams, now with a lawsuit, uh, now – do the Saints decide, oh, maybe we should go with Dennis Allen? Or maybe the Houston Texans decide, oh, maybe we should go with Josh McCown or whoever else they were looking at. I mean, I mean I've, I've got people saying to me, oh, he's, he's never coaching again. That This lawsuit basically is going to get him blackballed. And I mean, yeah, Brian Flores might be a good coach, but 
it's, it's very well possible you know, doing this. And instead of focusing on maybe getting two other of those jobs that you were lined up to possibly get and focusing on a lawsuit against the NFL, yeah, there's, there's a chance that maybe he potentially shot himself in the foot and could get himself uh, exiled and blackballed. I mean, that, that's very well a Is legit um, scenario. It just feels... It just feels premature. Like, why wouldn't he wait till the scenario shook out with Denver and New Orleans? Why would he fire this out? I think, Doug, you, you nailed it as we got on the show. It's a little bit of, like, sour milk or jilted because the cat may wind up getting a great gig in Denver or New Orleans. Like, I don't really know why he's – now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure some of these things that he's saying about the Miami stuff and the Denver stuff makes sense, you know, that, that he may have a leg to stand on. But I would still make sure I acquired – my job first, right? Lock in Denver, lock in New Orleans, and then bring this other stuff up. Not before, or am I crazy? I mean, and, and the whole thing with Denver, especially with LA, and that was 2019. That wasn't this offseason. That was three years ago. Why? Are, like, I don't get why you're like, why hold on to that for so long unless. I mean, from what I've understood, he I guess he really wanted the Giant job. He was a Giant fan growing up. He's from Brooklyn. He liked the Giants. Maybe it's just he just he looks like the girl who got stood up at prom because he didn't get the job that he wanted. And I mean, from what I've understood, too, Dan Quinn also wanted the Giant job. And I, I, I get the sense that maybe Dan Quinn was told he wasn't getting the job, which is why he kind of dropped out of all the other coaching um races that he was in. I mean, he was considered for a bunch of them and he just decided to go back to Dallas. I mean, for all we know, Dan Quinn just was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting the giant job. I'm staying as defensive coordinator. And I, and I just, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like Ryan, po I mean, go back to the GM interviews. Ryan Poles was the minority second interview candidate for the giants yep. with, with Adam Peters and with Joe Shane. Yet, it was kind of like a, I feel like it was a foregone conclusion. The Giants were hiring Joe Shane. He was kind of the front runner from the beginning. Yet you yeah. don't see Ryan Poles causing a stink. Instead, he's the second, um, he gets second interviews with the Bears and with the Vikings, and he ends up getting the Bears job. I just, I feel like he focused on other stuff. Whereas, I don't know, Brian Flores just seems like he's kind of bitter. He's kind of got that sour taste in his mouth and just, he's deciding to just take it out on. Yep. I, mean, I, I mean, granted, he. I think he has legit gripes with Denver and with Miami, especially if all that stuff comes out with true. But I don't know. It's just Brian Dable was – he had the connection with Joe Shane. It just – it made more way too much sense. And in the end, I didn't feel like they they hired an inferior candidate. I feel like they, they hired the best possible candidate to coach the Giants because he made the most sense. If Ross yeah, is – Spartan, if Ross is paying a hundred grand per loss and paying him to tank it, they're going to force him to sell the team. If they, I mean, there's no way you don't tank in the NFL, not publicly. You could be Doug Peterson and tank, you know, and you could see that what that did to him. He ain't getting another gig either, right? Like there's certain there's certain integrity of the NFL shield. Now you got an owner offering a head coach a hundred grand because he wants to draft Justin Herbert or 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 Lawrence Burrow, a Burrow. Uh, Burrow. You know, like. If that happens, uh, Spartan, you think you you think they'll force him to sell a team? Yeah, I do. I I, I absolutely do. I mean, Lee's stepped in before to force uh, owners to sell, and I I kind of feel like this would be a situation. If not, he's going to get smacked with serious fines and sanctions and whatnot. So uh, I, I could definitely see because that's 
Uh, that's pretty crappy. I really just hope that it doesn't happen in football, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a, a black eye, uh, without a doubt. Especially, you know, I know how much Ross wanted to win, and, and he was chasing, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson's got his own problems, right? So, you know, this is this is uh, this is definitely a black eye, you know, for a lot of people. But I don't think it's a black eye for the Giants because I think they did everything they were supposed to do. And I think, as Doug just mentioned, I think Shane was going to be the guy. And you know, I think having six offensive court. In fact, Doug, I'll even go as far as this. I think uh, Flores was Mara's guy, and I think D- Dable was Shane's guy. Yes. And I think Mara was like this. You know what? I usually call these shots. I usually lean to get my way. I think this is the first time in a long time, maybe forever, that John went like this. Your pick. Because usually, again, I mean, people don't realize it. John Mara not only used to pick, um, usually picked the general manager and the head coach. And in most cases, the general manager is supposed to pick the head coach, but John Mara kind of operates, you're used to operate the Giants like it was still 1985. But, I mean, granted, your team is 1946 in the last four years, and you haven't won too many games. And before then, Wellington Mara used to pick used to pick the general manager and the coach and he was following his father's footsteps well guess what you're operating an nfl franchise on a method and on a way that does not work anymore so john mara needs to stop trying to be like jerry jones and granted he's a caring owner he wants to win but stop meddling in the football operations let joe sheen who was hired to you know do what he did well going back to when he was hired by Bill Parcells in Miami and went to Carolina and went to Buffalo. Outsourced the the decision. Who knows how to make good decisions. Let him make his – and, yes, he he liked Brian Flores, and and for good reason. He had a great resume. He beat Bill Belichick four out of six times. He was 19 and 14 in the last two seasons. But at the same time, you're the owner. Let the football guy – and decide Amen. if he's the right guy for this job. And if he wants his own guy being Brian Dable, that's Joe Shane's decision. And that's what you hired him to do, be, to make the football decisions. You're the owner. Supply him the money. He'll make the he'll make decisions for the rest of the team. Couldn't agree so more. So I got, the, I got Spartan, I'm going to get to you in a sec. I got three things I want to jump in here with that are in, the, in the, the comments that are really good. One, Chris R. jumps in with, hey, Ryan Poles could have hired Flores in Chicago, but didn't. So, and I mean, you know, there that's is right. – there is. It's a great point, Chris. That I mean, it's a great, great point. point because, like, you're, here is here is if you know, like, there's nothing going on here but people making good football decisions. Okay, and and Ryan Polson is a young guy, and he made a decision what he felt was a good decision, and he didn't go the Flores way. So, I, I, you know what, Chris, that's a that's a great point. Um, that is a good point. Uh, very, very good you know, here uh, Zane says, you know, that Ross will be out if, if they can improve tanking. There is no doubt in my mind that that'll happen. Uh, I love and I always give a give a, a, a salute because we always Tutu always drops in from Italy and, and him and his rugby boys. So I want to throw this up here, Spartan. Check this out. <laughs> salute, Craig, from our entire rugby team in Italy. Great NYG live show opinions and thoughts. Thank you, sir. We always hey, pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, Tutu has a. Tudo has a picture of me what I look what I look like when I was like ten years old, you know, before I found food. <laughs> what shredded? <laughs> I love it. Um, 
Right. So look, yeah, you know what shredded, I love? Like? Is- shredded with pizza, pizza and McDonald's. Hey man, I wish I could be like you though, Doug. Man, that's something I could never do. This is this is what kills me. You ready? Oh, where is you should, it? You should have seen me mid mid pandemic. I had ZZ Top looking thing and just nice. Oh I, this Not is actually nice. like well, I, I still got a trim, but oh yeah. So, uh, this yeah. is this is what. <laughs> look at this. Says we all Italians are diehard Giants fans. Can you imagine that all all my all my relatives back in the country? Uh, Tudo, just so you know, I'm from Naples, Napolitan. Okay, um, he's from New Jersey. Don't let him fool you. You're not from so wait, there. They, I'm just saying. Yes, I am from New Jersey, like but Brock, I'm saying are they all looking like Brock Lesnar, like like eating <laughs> pasta and just looking like they're jacked, like they're freaking Brock Lesnar. Just like I pick up well, cars and I move them onto the sidewalk yeah. they're in my way, like. Doug, have you ever? Goodness, like my fat Irish rear end just needs to like get to the gym more often. Apparently, dude, for us, Doug, man, don't take this this the wrong way, Doug. Like those rugby players, like they've been jacked their whole lives. No, no, the gym is not going to help any of us. Okay, like Spike from Little. All right, now that now that I threw up, I got a hard stop coming up in like thirty seconds here. Yep, go ahead, Spartan, jump in. And by the way, um, Tuto says he's 6'4", 245 with 9% body fat. How is that even possible? All right, Tuto, oh I need God. you to send me your workout plan and your dieting plan, and I might try it for like three. <laughs> exactly. Oh Go ahead, Spartan, give me, give me your, your final thought on, on, on what's transpired over the last 48 hours. Look, hopefully we get the offensive coordinator right, but this is the most uh, excited I've been at, about the football team in a long time. I've just never felt so confident about hires. Yeah. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me that uh, the off season is more fun than the regular season. So we're hoping we could change that, but the next couple Definitely. weeks will be great. Um, you're listening to another episode of the Giants guys. Thanks. Mark Thompson, who's out there in the Caribbean. I apologize. You are late tonight, my friend. And we've been on for probably an hour and like 10 minutes. So I'm going to let these guys go to bed and um, you know, we're going to, uh, I'll fire this up. You guys can ch- check it out tomorrow. I like Pep Hamilton. We do too, Mark. Thanks for watching another episode of the, Giants, of the Giants, guys. That's Spartan Mike. That's Doug Rush. We're going to have Doug back on if he'll hang out with us. We'll see you guys later. Peace.